As we're standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight, uh, Isaiah the 48th chapter. Amen. We finished up our series last week, and uh, we're going to start, uh, take a little break for a little bit um, with this series, uh, Isaiah 48 11. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it? For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another? Amen. We'll talk to you tonight from this title, For His Name's Sake. For His Name's Sake. Turn to a few people, wave at them, give them an air high five, and you may be seated. Man, the phrase, a good name, has been an expression in many languages for centuries. Because your name is automatically associated with your reputation. Uh, And that's why we say he's making a good name for himself, or they've got a good name, or they've got a bad name. And when we say a name, we automatically think about a person's reputation uh, basically, the name encompasses the whole being of that person, uh, all the good and the bad and so forth. And so if we say uh, a name like Lucifer, uh, our mind immediately begins to process that and think about that. Other names, um, uh, Mother Teresa, uh, Queen Elizabeth, Elvis Presley, Jezebel, Adolf Hitler, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, all these names, just saying somebody's name and immediately your mind starts processing them and you think about the reputation if you if you know them or just their reputation in society, how their image is in the world. And so a name cannot be separated from uh, the person and the reputation of them. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And so what you are cannot be separated from what your name is once they are identified together. If they don't know your name and your reputation precedes you, once they find your name out, then it becomes uh, connected together. But that is why in the Bible... When somebody changed their character and something happened in their life, when the, an encounter with God, oftentimes God would give them a new name because something, something changed in their life. How much is the name Israel worth to Jacob? Jacob means deceiver and, uh, and heel grabber. Uh, but now the name Israel is interpreted as Uh, One that has power and is a prince with God. What is that worth to have that kind of name change? From the name Abram, meaning a high father, he was now called Abraham, father of a multitude of nations. So what is that name worth and that reputation now just kind of a single father? Now you are father of a multitude of nations. Saul, the persecutor now becomes Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. What a, 
What a powerful name change that took place in his life. He is no longer the same person because one encounter that Saul had with Jesus Christ and he was never the same again. His character was changed and the way he thought changed and the way he spoke changed and his actions were changed and we see an about face take, uh, take place in his life and now all of a sudden uh, people uh, f- could not forget about Saul and when they were told to go see him and they realized who he was, they, what they knew and remembered about this man was that he was a persecutor of the church. But God had to uh, overcome their, their fear in him and realize and explain to them that a, a change had taken place, that his name was being changed. And so Saul was walking on his own path in life and then Jesus interrupted And Saul recovered and was a new man after that encounter. Kind of like how you and I were just kind of walking down the the roads in our own life, thinking of uh, of what we were going to do and our goals and aspirations in this life. And then we had our roadmap in our own hand, and somehow, some way, we came through the doors of an apostolic church, and and we felt something in this place that we never felt before, something that is real and something that was undeniable. We had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and our lives have never been the same. Aren't you? thankful for that encounter being born of the water and of the spirit that we were no longer the same person we don't do the same things we used to do no longer those things no longer appeal to us because a change took place inside of us our character was changed our thinking changed and we became a new man or new woman in Christ Jesus we became that new creature and old things were passed away All things became new. We got a a fresh start. We got a a, a do-over in life thanks to Jesus Christ and his grace and mercy. And we still, we may still have our same name. We probably do, but we are not the same person. At least I hope we're not. I hope we're far from that person we used to be before Christ. Our friends still call us by our name, but I believe they saw a change inside of us. Our family still knows us, and and many times they look at us differently now. Uh, We may have lost a few friends or even family members along the way due to our encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's okay, because nobody has done more for me than Jesus Christ did for me. My friends may say they care for me, but not more than Jesus Christ. My family loves me, but not more than my Savior, Jesus Christ. And they may not understand why I would give up that old lifestyle, but that's okay. They haven't had the experience that I had with Jesus. They don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. They may have heard of his name and what he has done, but until somebody actually has an encounter with the Almighty God, they just cannot and will not understand why we act the way that we act and why we we do the things that we do and why we look and dress the way that we do. It's because we met Jesus along the way in our life, and our life was never the same since. But if Jacob met God and was changed, and Saul was transformed when he met Jesus, and 
You and I, we were made a new creature as well. I believe that if our friends and our family members want to be changed, that all they have to do is to come through the doors and and ask for forgiveness and have their sins washed away in the precious blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, and God can fill and will fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then they will understand too. Then their eyes will be opened and of the transforming power of the the name of Jesus. He will become more than just a story in the Bible. But they will have a relationship with the Creator, with the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. But a name is just another name when you don't really know anything about them. It's kind of meaningless. It, it bears no weight or impact and affects your life not too much. But the more you get to know a person, the more meaningful in their name becomes because you get to know their character and who they really are. And once you know the true identity of Jesus, once you realize that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, you too will begin to understand the power that is in the name of Jesus because it is all about the name of Jesus. Philippians tells us, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. That, that's everything. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to be bowing at that name. We might as well bow now because every knee is going to bow. Every tongue will confess. Every devil will bow to the name of Jesus. Every demon, every sickness, every disease is going to bow at the name of Jesus. The giants that you're facing cannot stand up against the name of Jesus. Whatever the name of your problem is, it's not greater or stronger or more powerful than the name of Jesus. And that's who we exalt here in this place tonight. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. You know why there is so much power in the name of Jesus is because as much as you and I care about having a good name for ourselves, we want our, we want our name to be good. And so we, we live and act accordingly so that our reputation doesn't get bad and our name becomes spoiled. And so if we do that for our name, God cares about his name as well. And God will go to great lengths to protect his name and his glory. All it takes is one bad action, one bad deed to tarnish a good name. And people will only remember the bad. And they don't care how many years or how long you did good. All it takes is one bad deed and that's it. One problem that we have today with technology is identity theft. It's prevalent ever more so and increasing every single day. Somebody steals your identity and buys a bunch of, of junk and you're stuck with the bills. Well, if you don't have much money, then they can't get very far. So I guess that works out. But uh, believe it or not, the worst part of identity theft is not somebody stealing your credit cards and maxing out your credit cards. 
The worst part of identity theft is the damage that is done to your reputation, your credit history, your credit report, all those things. It has been said that it can take up to two years to clean up your credit report and financial reputation if your identity is stolen and somebody goes on a shopping spree. Two years to repair that. Because you have to prove that you didn't buy all those things with your card, and that can take some time. And so your name uh, and your reputation can be tarnished until all those things are finally cleared up. And thankfully, you can pay uh, for identity protection services out there that will monitor your your credit and fight to protect your name uh, because a good name is worth fighting for. And so if we fight for our name, you better believe that God is going to fight for his name to protect it and to protect his glory. Imagine what God thinks when a Christian goes out there and hurts somebody or judges or throws stones at somebody all in the name of Christ. You think God likes that when they're using his name. But what about... uh, the the priests out there and what they do with minors and how that uh, affects the name uh, of, of, of God. And the rest of the world sadly sees them as Christians, how they are representing Christ for his name, his glory, for all the world to see. It's a tragedy, but God is watching out for his name and his glory and will go to great lengths to protect his name. Numbers 14, 21 says, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them That provoked me to see it. So the Israelites who got to experience the glory and majesty and power of God and witnessed the power of his name, they all saw God do for them. After after seeing all of that, they still had the audacity to test God and and to say that, well, he is not really uh, our provider. He is not our protector. He cannot lead us into the promised land and defeat these enemies. After all that God had done for them. And so God says to them, because of that, you're going to die in the wilderness because you were called by my name. And you have seen my glory, and you are going to not have any faith or confidence in me after all that I have done and showed you. And and so that generation died in the wilderness because they were called by the name of God, and God brought them out of Egypt, and yet they failed to uh, fulfill the call on their life and to follow through with the promise that God had given them. And so this not only applied to that generation of the Israelites that died in the wilderness, but think about the the series that we had just finished up last week, the, the turning of a nation. And what happened to the nation of Israel? 
when they turn from God and they stop caring about God's laws and, and they stop living a holy and separated life from the rest of the world and they started to allow the world that they lived in, uh, the, the idolatrous and, and, and wicked world that they lived in, they started to allow those things to creep into their life instead of standing guard at the door of their heart and their home and saying, that's not coming in here. Why? Because we are called by the name of the Most High God, and this house has been built under the name of Almighty God, and we cannot allow that wickedness and evil to come into our homes. And so since they stopped living a holy and separated life and, and, and actually started to embrace the things of the world. Judgment eventually came to Israel's doorstep. Not just because of their disobedience, but also because that place, Israel, Jerusalem, was the only place in the entire earth that the God of heaven said, here is where I'm going to place my name. And where my name is, there too will be my glory. And when Israel stopped caring about the name of God and, and would bring dishonor and disgrace to it by their actions, the time came where God said, I'm going to remove my name from this place and I'm removing my glory from here because the very people who are called by my name have disgraced my name. And so if God let Israel burn to the ground because they were disobedient and disgraced his name, don't think for one second that America is just too blessed to face any kind of judgment. Don't think that we get a bypass in this life, in this world. If, if this nation who, who called upon God in the beginning of its formation, if this nation turns from that name and starts to bring shame and disgrace to the name of God, don't think that God will just sit idly by. If he allowed Jerusalem to perish, who are we in comparison to that? Isaiah 48 and 10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee for the furnace of affliction. Talking about the nation of Israel. For mine own sake, even mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another? This verse obviously is directed at Israel and how God would put them in the furnace of affliction just because of his name's sake. To keep his name clean and pure and holy, he will send Israel through the furnace of affliction. Because the whole earth is to be full of the glory of God and all that God is looking for is for somebody that will give him some praise and some glory. Somebody that will lift up his name instead of tearing it down. Somebody that will sing blessings and exalt the name instead of curses on the name. He's wanting somebody that will bring glory to his name. Somebody that will make us stand for truth and declare the word of the Lord. Somebody that will not profane his name but will sing praises to his name. We need to be more concerned about his name than our name. It's not about us or who we are. 
It's all about him and his glory. It's about his name, his power, his kingdom. It's about his will, not our will. It's about his name and not our name. When we are in it for ourselves and we want God to help us, but he's not going to get any of the glory, how do you think that's going to work out? If I want help defeating my enemy or getting through my problems so that I will look good, why would God step in and unleash his power when the glory is not going to go to him? 40, Isaiah 42 and 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And so if God's not going to give his glory to anybody else, don't think that we're going to get any glory from it. God doesn't like it when people try and take credit for things and want them to look good. If, if we're going to ask God for help, and if we are going to use his name, and his power, then I think that he should get all of the glory. Not 80% of it, not 90% of it, but all of it. 100% of the glory should be going to Jesus Christ because it's his power. It's his name that delivered us out of our miry clay. It's all of him, all of his doing in our life. We've done nothing to earn or merit any kind of glory. And even when we try our best, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. If we're trying to get to heaven on our works, on all the good things that we've done, that's not going to get us in. We're going to be far from admission into heaven's gates because all the glory goes to God because he doesn't give it to anybody else. And so if we are putting the kingdom first, then we are putting his glory first. And his name first. Sometimes it gets, a little, it gets a little tricky because we know we need to put the kingdom first. But we also kind of want to get a little bit of accolades along the way. God, all the sacrifice I'm doing for your kingdom, that's just a request for some glory. And God doesn't give, God doesn't share his glory as he told us. And so nowhere in the deal is for us to get glory or for our name to be praised. That's when people can easily quit, quit the church uh, when, when their, their name is not being praised or they're not getting the glory or, or they get uh, bitter or angry at somebody because they're not getting the praise or the glory. Well, none of the praise and glory should be going to us anyways. It should all be going to Jesus Christ because he is the one that deserves it all. We would not be here if it wasn't for his love, his grace, his mercy. And so what do we have to offer? Just some praise and glory and worship. That's all that we have to give in the kingdom of God. And so if we're fighting over glory and praise and accolades for us, we're in the wrong place. Isaiah 43 and 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created them for for my glory. For I have formed him, yea, I have made him. God has made every single one of us, and he has called every single one of us for his glory. End of story. Our pride gets in the way, and we start to uh, think that we get something out of this. No, the only thing that we deserve is an eternity in a devil's hell. If we want what we deserve, we deserve not to be in heaven. That's the bottom line. 
And the more we try to argue and, and plead with God, maybe he'll give in to what we deserve. That should, that should be it for us. That we should just be thankful enough that God saved us. And, and whatever else you want to do, God, is all great with me. But the problem is we forget about our salvation. We forget about where we deserve to go. And then we start bargaining chips with God, thinking that we're doing all these sacrifices for the kingdom. No, we haven't, as much as we've sacrificed, we haven't sacrificed more than Jesus did. Jesus died for us until, until we die for him. We are even on the same bargaining ground as he has done for us and so salvation of our soul should be we should be grateful for that and just be happy to be here I know somebody uh, uh, that recently got um, arrested and it's not looking good for them from what I can figure out, they're looking at probably 500 years in prison. That's not looking good. There's not much hope in that. And I can't imagine thinking about, I mean, what do you do with that, 500 years? And I, I keep uh, imagining the, the, the sentence, like that's your, your, your life in prison for sure, obviously, many lives. But I, I can't help to think about... Uh, the grace of God and how that applies to us. We were facing 500 years in a devil's hell. But imagine the judge saying, I forgive you, you can just walk out of here free, a, a free person. That's what salvation is. When we deserve life in prison and the judge says, I forgive you, I love you, you can walk out of here and go start a new life. Don't you dare come back into this place again. That's the salvation. That's what we should be grateful for. That's what we should wake up every day and say, thank you, Lord, for filling my lungs with some more, some more breath. This is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because I could have woke up in a devil's hell and spent in all of eternity there, but by the grace of God, I'm here again, another day that you have made. What can this day bring that can steal the joy of my salvation? I'll tell you, nothing can steal the joy from my salvation because I know where I deserve to go, and God says you can be free man and walk out of there. So it doesn't matter what the newscasters are saying. That's not going to affect the joy of my salvation. And so all God is looking for is somebody that will say, this is for God's glory. It's all about him that I'm just a vessel. I'm just a clay earthen vessel, nothing pretty to look at. I'm just here. I'm just an instrument in the hands of the master. I'm just a clay and he's the potter. He knows what he's doing because he's all about his name, all about his glory. And as soon as we can align ourselves and say, okay, God, it's all about your name and glory, then we can get on the same page with God. One of the most iconic stories in the Bible is David and Goliath. Now, David didn't fight Goliath because uh, David was threatened. David fought Goliath because the name of God was being tarnished. And he wasn't going to let that happen. He was going to make a stand and, and say, how can 
we stand by when the name of God is being tarnished. First Samuel 17, David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, and David did not have a dog in the fight. He wasn't a warrior. He was just a shepherd boy bringing food to his brothers. He was treated as the runt of the family, and no one really paid much attention to him. They forgot about him. Even when Samuel came to anoint the next king, they didn't even think that he qualified. And so we know that David was not out to make a name for himself. He was already on the side uh, sidewalk of life. He wasn't about bringing glory to himself. You know how we know this is because when he killed the lion and the bear, I don't think he told anybody about it. Can you imagine people today, if they did what David did, killed a lion and a bear with their bare hands, be all over social media, be all over the news, it would be crazy. They, they would be, they'd make a reality TV show or something with this person. They would be getting all kinds of likes and glory, and God wouldn't be getting any of it. And so while on the backside of the pasture, God gave David a little taste of his glory and of his power, what this little shepherd boy could do with just a touch from, uh, from God. And he slew that bear, and he slew that lion. And, and he didn't go bragging about it because uh, God knew that he, God could trust him with his glory. Because God's glory is a precious thing. And he's not just going to give his glory to another. And so if we can't handle God's glory properly, then he's not going to give it to us. Because he doesn't share his glory. And until we can learn how to deal with this whole thing of God's glory and realize none of this goes to us. It all goes to him. And so he's not going to give it to us. And so the only time that David mentioned the lion and the bear is when he's telling King Saul, and, and David says, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And so the only time he mentioned that is when he was saying, it's all God. God's the one that did it. He's the one that delivered me out of that. And so if he did that for me then, he'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. It was all God, and God got all the glory. And since David didn't take any share of the victory, and since he gave God all the glory back to him, God gave David more of his glory that day to help kill this Philistine. That single stone that flew through the air that hit Goliath square in his forehead. I don't know what the distance was, but I can't even, I can't even throw a rock in a straight line. And David with a slingshot, killed a, a nine, a ten-foot man with it by hitting him square in the forehead. And so down Goliath went, and, and David ran over, took out the sword, and cut off his head. 
all not for his glory, but because this guy was defying the nation of Israel and the God of, of Israel, he was defying his name. And so that is what God is looking for, somebody that will stand and fight for the name of Jesus, somebody that gets mad when people profane his name and, and take his glory for the wrong reasons. And because God fights to protect his name and his glory, and if you are willing to fight for his name and not your own, you will see the glory of God come down in your life because God knows he can trust you with his glory. You will see your giants fall because they cannot stand up to the name of Jesus. You will see miracles come in your life and you will see doors open. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about your position or, 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 or name. It's all about the name of Jesus because God can trust you that you're going to give all the glory to him. And so once that happens, God can open the doors in your life. Musicians, if you would come. We aren't the only ones that know the power that is in the name of Jesus. We aren't the only ones that know what happens when the glory of God comes down. We aren't the only ones that know the power of prayer. The enemy knows all of this. And the prince of this world knows too. And, and, and they don't want that name spoken. They don't want people calling upon the name of Jesus and pleading the blood of Jesus in their life over their situation, over their homes, over their family members. They don't want us preaching about Jesus. They don't want us praying to Jesus. They don't want us inviting his glory to come down. And so because they know there's transforming power in the power and the presence of Almighty God. And so if they can keep us from his name and if they can keep us from gathering together and try to keep the door of the church is closed uh, they know that they can be succeeding but I'm here to tell you that we know how to call upon that name we know how to plead the blood of Jesus even if we're not in this building we're still at home pleading the name of Jesus we're still doing prayer walks walking down the city calling upon the name of Jesus because we know the power that is in the name and we know the glory all belongs to God and so we are here here to guard the glory of God because it's for his name's sake. The apostles were preaching in the name of Jesus. And the high priest and the councilmen had them arrested and beating, beaten for using that name. And they told them not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. Because they just knew that there was something about that name. God found someone who wasn't ashamed of his name. Someone who would stand for his name. He found someone who would give God all the glory. And so when Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, uh, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He stood up and he leaped up and he started dancing uh, because they, God knew that they, they realized it was not about them. It was not any kind of power that they had, but whatever we have, I can give to you. And the Holy Ghost poured out there. And so the healings are not about us. They're all about him. Miracles are not for us. They're for Jesus to get the glory. 
And when we make it all about him and not about us, that's when we get to see God show off his power and his glory. And I don't know about you, but I want to see the power and glory of God fall down in our lives like never before. But what that's going to take is going to say, God, it all belongs to you. I don't want any of it. I don't deserve any of it. I'm just happy to be here. I'm just thankful for another day. I'm going to give you the praise and the glory that is due to your name because it's all about your name you stand with me tonight so God is looking for someone that will say it's not about me it's for your glory Lord and that was the whole design and purpose of this nation that God formed and promised to have and he, he, he with his own hands he delivered them out of Egypt uh, and it was for to, to, to bring glory to God in the earth. That all the other nations would realize and say, well, our God is nothing. Our God is not like the God of Israelites. Our God has no power when compared to that matchless name. And so that was the purpose of Israel was just to continue letting the glory rise up into the heavens unto God. But they forgot about the name. Forgot about the glory. They forgot about their salvation. And so they began to meddle, meddle with the world and allow the things of this world to come in and pollute their life, pollute their walk, pollute their heart, and eventually pollute the name that is above every name. And so God is just looking for a people a nation, a people, he just needs one person. He'd love to have a nation where everyone lifts up the name of Jesus. He'd love to build a nation off the word of God and it give him praise and glory. He'd love to bless the nation uh, beyond all riches and, and prosperity in the world. But if that nation starts to turn and, and bring dishonor and disgrace to that name why would God continue to have his name there why would God continue to have a hedge of protection around that that person or that nation so all that he's doing is looking for somebody that will give him glory how do you get to the place where you are standing in front of a fiery furnace that was heated up seven times hotter and the king says to bow down and give me glory. And the three Hebrew boys say, we can't do that. We can't do that. We're not going to bow to your name. Because that means that we're giving you glory. And as far as I know, God does not share his glory. And you don't look like a godly individual. So because there's only one name that we bow to we are not going to give you any of the glory because all the glory belongs to him and he doesn't give it to anybody else so it's not about us it's not about our name it's not about our kingdom it's all about him it's about his namesake our God is, is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace but even if he doesn't, 
They said, even if we die here today, we want you, King, to know that we are called by his name and we will not bow to any other name. We've experienced his glory, but we will guard it with our very lives. If it takes our lives, we will give them up for the glory of God because it's not about me or my life. It's all about him. It's all about his name. It's all about his glory. And you know what happened. You know the story. When they were thrown into that fire that God showed up with them because they were guarding his glory. He says, I cannot resist that. I will go there and I will be there with them. I will be a hedge of protection even in the midst of that fire. I will walk with them in that place. And I will appear as a son of man because uh, they stood for me and they're guarding my glory. I know I can trust them with my glory. And so, the sooner we realize and accept, it's not about me, my life, it's about God. But not until that we are willing to say, it's all about you, Jesus. The pain in my body, I want you to heal me, not so that I can be better, but so that I can give you glory. That I can tell somebody else about your healing power. Maybe, maybe we haven't got our healing yet because God's not sure if we'll tell others about it or we'll just keep it for ourselves. We want your name to be magnified through our pain. And even if, God, you don't heal me, I'm still going to give you glory. That's not going to silence me. That's not going to silence my voice. Through my circumstance, God, I want others to hear of what you have done and not of what I have done. I want them to hear about the power that's in your name. And we are the people of the name of Jesus. But not in word only, but we must also be in deed. It's easy to shake our head and to voice our agreement. And to say, yes, yes, pastor, yes, that sounds great. Yes, that's, that's the easy part. The hard part is to actually living out our life. Living a life that brings him glory. And it's getting harder and harder as the days progress. Just to stand for God and just to say you believe in the Bible now. There's lines that are being drawn in the sand like never before. And so we're going to have to realize and come to grips. Is it for our name that we're going to guard? Are we going to guard our name and our life? Or are we going to guard the glory of Almighty God? Because of what the Bible shows me is that when I guard His glory and His name, it, it works out for me in the end. We may have to sacrifice some things, but I tell you, God takes good notes. And whatever we give up in this life, God's going to have something prepared for us on the other side. And so we have to come to grips and realize it's not about our name. Uh, it's not about our life and our, our kingdom, but it's all about Him. The hard part is living out the separated life. The hard part is living a life that brings God glory and does not disgrace the name that we come and we profess. We're apostolics and we're Pentecostal and we go to church. But then what if people see us saying these things and acting this way? What kind of example, what kind of 
uh, uh, tarnish are we bringing to the name of God if our lifestyle does not back up what we profess? It's easy to say we're a Christian, but actually living the Christian life, which means denying yourself and picking up your cross because it's not about me. It's about the name of Jesus. It's about His glory. It's about His power and His name and His mercy. Why don't you worship with me tonight as we sing, as we begin to close. Lord, you are worthy, God. It's all about you, Jesus. Let us not forget, God, the salvation, God, that you've given to us, God, that we are to be, we are the people of the name. Help us to exalt your name and to give you glory in all that we do. The name well, let's of sing it together. Jesus is Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Lift it high. With our voices and with our
one more time. Let's lift up our voices. Shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We magnify you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. It's all about your name. For your name's sake, Lord, are we here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we sing the songs. And we give him praise with our lips. But what God is most concerned about is, does our, does our lifestyle match what our lips are singing? Or do we just give him lip service? That's what the problem was Israel was. They forgot they, get, they were saying things, but they were doing different things. So they forgot about the name of Jesus or the name of God. So therefore... Their names were forgotten. They were wiped out. The only place I see where names are kept and recorded for eternity is that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And those are the people that God can trust with His glory, that they're written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so because God can trust them with His glory, they get to live in His glory for all of eternity. What a place to be. Amen. I want to continue living for his name today and tomorrow and the next day, if the Lord wills. Amen. Because it's all about him, not about us. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Go out and give God glory with your life and your words and your deeds. In Jesus' name.